Higher Things thanks you for your support. Please continue to support the work we do with youth by going to our website at higherthings.org, clicking on support and donating securely through PayPal. Your gift helps us in our mission to support pastors, youth workers, and parents in daring our church's youth to be Lutheran. to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We are your hosts. I'm Thomas Lemke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown, and we are continuing our walk through the book of Acts. We're coming up on Acts chapter 14, and we're getting into the missionary journeys of Paul, this one being the first one with Paul and Barnabas together. Um, Just anything random before we dive on in? I have my one random observation for the day. Well, yeah, it depends upon how truly random I need to be. But uh, right. no, I'll, I'll hold my peace for now. So I've got my headphones on. And, and Thomas, do you remember what is significant about th- this pair of headphones that I have on? Yeah, they're Darth Vader headphones. I remember I'm, when you got those. <laughs> I'm wearing my Darth Vader headphones. And and one of the things is they really, they're they're starting to, to not work as efficiently. They aren't as great. I've actually started wearing more often when I go take a walk, the 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 simple Apple earbuds. Mm-hmm. Those are nice. And I'm sitting here looking, I've got my Apple earbuds, and I, I don't wear them now because I am a creature of habit. I wear my Darth Vader headphones when I do the, the Gospel Boldly podcast. So, I don't know. We're creatures of habit sometimes. That was just my, that was my utterly random thought as we dive on <laughs> in. That's fair. See, I thought you were going in the direction with that of uh, the Star Wars trailer, which as of this recording dropped, I guess, technically two days ago, but kind of a day and a half, I guess. But by the time this airs, that will be old news. (laughs) Yeah. Just just as a heads up for any new listeners, we record a few weeks in advance, just in general. And so just as a heads up, when we get to January, I don't know where we'll be. We, We might even be done with Axel onto something new. Yeah. That recording time will be done right after the new Star Wars movie comes out. So probably once we get to the middle of January, suddenly you will get a whole lot more <laughs> random Star Wars references. That, that that just comes. Don't go to Rome, Paul. It's a trap. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> my, my, my office has, I, I've got, on, if, if, People come in and look at me. They just see nice, normal stuff, religious stuff. But on the wall behind them, I have a few Star Wars posters and stick up things on the wall. Uh, one of the the visiting retired pastors came in to fill in for me when I was retired. He goes, I can tell three things about your pastor from his office. <laughs> he loves the Lord. He loves coffee and he loves Star Wars. So, yeah, that kind of worked. There By the it. way, again, if you want good coffee, the official coffee of the Gospel Bodley podcast is... Coffee by Gillespie. Go look up Coffee by Gillespie, and you'll find really good coffee. Single origin coffee is roasted on demand and sent to your door. Fantastic coffee. It'll spoil for a normal store-bought coffee. So, Yum. all right, there we go. We 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 don't get sponsoring from Gillespie. Ah, he doesn't even. Ah, swag me, Gillespie. <laughs> swag me. All right. So, 
let's dive in. Now, now that I've been random and begged for free stuff, let's go look at at uh, Acts 14 and, and get really something that is much better than Star Wars or coffee, the word of Christ Jesus. Very well. Now, at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Gentiles believed. But the, uh, uh, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, signing, uh, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. All right. So what you have is basically the apostles go and preach. And and what they preach is good and, and people hear and believe. But then you've got the other hand where people are like, oh, the apostles are preaching. You know what? I'm going to go to the people I know and say, you better not listen to these people. They're bad. Uh, Thomas, do we see the same type of thing going on even today? Of course. One of the things to to bear in mind, and this is more just about, about anything in life and not just, just theology, but bear in mind how often people try to poison your mind or, or to maybe, maybe to put it in a, a more general, to uh, negatively predisposition you against people. Mm-hmm. Not because of what they've said, not because it's a matter of, okay, uh, okay. Uh, Calvinist theology is off because it goes beyond the word of God or something like that, but rather, ooh, those Calvinists are dangerous. Where where there's no explanation of why there's not, it's not a logical, this is what's going on, but rather it is the emotional, it is the the twisting of stuff going on. So be wary of that and also try and stay away from it. I mean, if you want to warn people off of something, you should be able to give concrete reasons why this is bad. Okay, uh, don't listen to the people who want to preach a decision theology saying that you have to decide for Jesus because what that does is that makes sure salvation, that presents it as hinging upon you and what you have done rather than resting upon Christ and him crucified. There needs mm-hmm. to be a clear reason, not just don't listen to the Arminian preachers. They're icky. <laughs> if, if, if the If the... Don't listen to them. Well, why not? Because they're bad. That that that's not that that's attempting to poison your perspective, not to actually get at the truth. That's fair. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. At any rate, they get to Iconium, and as soon as they start preaching, you have the people who are opposing the preaching of the gospel just go and try and sour. Oh, don't listen to Paul. Don't listen to Barnum. They're dangerous, and <laughs> and it works. From their perspective, it, it, it divides the town. Not everyone converts. Not everyone believes. It's it's all a big giant ball of mess. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So, what happens with the big giant ball of mess? Uh, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derb, cities of Lyconia and the surrounding country. And uh, there they continued to preach the gospel. Got to run for their lives. They get on out before they get stoned, and they go preach other places. And this is, again, one of that, that, that common pattern that we see in Acts, where 
the attempts to squash the gospel end up becoming the attempts to squash the preachers, which ends up spreading the gospel to other places. So it's almost using the selfishness of sinful man to end up furthering the gospel. All right, I don't want them here, so I'm going to make things so hot for them that they run away. Oh, good, they've run away. Now it's not my problem. Well, yeah, but you've just caused the gospel that you don't like to be preached to a bunch of other towns that mm-hmm. if you had just like not been a jerk and kept them there, and then it would have been nice and contained. But, but again, they're not thinking strategically or a big scale. It, this is a visceral, selfish, sinful reaction over and against the gospel. Right Does that kind of make, make sense? Yeah. Get on out of our town. Right. As long as you aren't my problem, you ain't my yeah, problem. So, pretty much. <laughs> all right. That, you kick the can down the road, someone else's problem. So. I think I used the analogy last time of a, a dandelion being mowed under. I'll get, get rid of these weeds. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Mm, no, it doesn't. Hmm. Well, in fact, you say that. What is the classical name for when the uh, Christians were scattered? Dispersed? Diaspora. Yeah, yeah, right. Which... And, and dia, all right, means through or thorough. And mm-hmm. what is spora? Seed. Seed. Yeah. So it literally <laughs> is the the your your dandelion example is spot on. So well, let's go see the next places where the dandelions of the gospel. That okay. sounded bad. The That's weird, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where 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 they land and take root again. All right. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Quick thing, and this is something that often comes up in the New Testament, just with how we translate it. There's a little footnote that I have in my nice little Lutheran study Bible, which is very useful. And it notes that when it says to be made well, mm-hmm. it literally is to be saved. Oh, okay. So, uh, so-so is the, 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 the Greek word. So you could translate this as seeing that he had faith to be saved. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. this is one where, where a lot of times we will conflict well, okay, this comes up. Um, one of the things that is highly strongly tied with even the healings of Jesus is the idea of salvation as well as temporal earthly healing. Uh, think about uh, when Jesus sees the paralytic and he, he looks at him and says, take heart, my son, your what? Sins are your, forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Well, well well, who, who can? How can you do this? This is blasphemy! Ba 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 ba! Complain, complain, complain! We don't like anything. <laughs> well, which is which is easy, which is harder to say? Uh, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, rise and walk. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that comes up is there. The 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 bigger thing, the the greater miracle is not. Oh, look, the guy gets up and walks, but rather, look, he's been given faith that gives him eternal life. Because let's face it, Thomas, if you could not walk and were suddenly able to walk, that would be impressive, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, But would that be nearly as impressive as you were dead, moldering in the ground, decayed, and then, bam, the resurrection of the dead and you are alive, never more to die? The latter. I'll take the latter. 
ours goes up to 11. I mean, so, so this is the point. There, there is a movement from lesser to greater, and the, the physical healings is the lesser that points to the greater resurrection of the body. Mm-hmm. And that actually comes up with the, the language in Greek where it's faith to be saved. And you see the, the healing as just a, a almost like a, yeah, the, how before they have the big earthquake, sometimes they have the little tremor beforehand. Uh-huh. This, is, this is just a little tremor beforehand of the major earthquake of eternal salvation. That and makes all sense. Of the dead will come out of the tombs all around Jerusalem and everywhere else. Right. It's that. <laughs> it, it, it's it's the foretaste of the real deal to come. So, all right, let's carry on. Okay. And when the crowds saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, "The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men." Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. <laughs> Well, the crowd almost gets it <laughs> because because really they are preaching that God has come down to do stuff, but oh, just not quite how that, oh. Okay, Thomas, this is an example of close, but not quite on it. And we get a lot of examples <laughs> yeah. of that in, in life. In fact, this is one of the reasons why we need a preacher. If we are just looking and assume our own naturalistic or cultural expectations, we won't get it. But what they're going to need is they're going to need someone to preach the gospel to them boldly and pull them out of their their simple assumptions about uh, Greek divinities. No, 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 no. They're, you're you're kind of seeing in part, but you need to see in full. And so after the break... We will do the backwards life, and then we will end up finding more about how Paul and Barnabas preached so that they, uh, they, uh, they learn to see what actually is going on. All right? All right. So more on that after the break. And we're back on the Gospel Bully Podcast, and we are going to go into our favorite segment. Well, no, it's not our favorite segment. Actually, it's the one we have to work the most at. The <laughs> the hardest segment we have to do where we actually have to plan well ahead of time, the Gospel... Uh, I was just going to call it the Gospel Bully Podcast. The Backwards Life. I guess the podcast, podcast is, is a segment. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the podcast kind of is the Backwards Life. Um, but... In the backwards life, we generally, uh, Thomas will, or maybe I should call him Zeus since he tends not to talk nearly as much as I do. But uh, <laughs> Thomas will give us a, a general thought, idea, phrase, question that's going around popular Christianity, and we will tend to look at it from a backwards, a different direction, and get to what actually is going on in it on the basis of the Word of God. So, Thomas, what do you have for us today? Well, I've, I've heard it said among evangelical types and— uh and I'm sure you have too, that you should not pray written prayers because they're not spiritual enough. Uh, I guess the idea is that uh, doing it, would you say, extemporaneously, off the cuff, is a, a lot more uh, like a conversation where it just it comes. And so if you do it written, it's cheating. How would, uh, how would you approach that maybe misapprehension from a right. backwards perspective? I can do this. Okay. Um, this is actually one of the common things that go on in a lot of uh, evangelical Protestant groups. The, that idea that oh, it's not really a prayer unless you 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 unless you do it ex corde from the heart. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. First of all, uh, Thomas in the book of Matthew, mm-hmm. 
where does Jesus introduce the Lord's Prayer? Oh, you mean in like during what discourse or? Yeah. Shoot, you, that's a it, basic one you'd think. I don't know that. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Is it? Okay. Right. It, right. It's part of the giant Sermon on the Mount. Later, you so know where, where the Sermon on the Mount has Good at question. the beginning? You, you, you have heard it said of old, you shall not murder, but I say to you, if you hate, right. da, da, da. You have heard it said that you should uh, not pray written prayers, but <laughs> Jesus says in the apostles in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, pray this. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? Teaches us to pray with a prayer that we have thus repeated. Uh, Thomas, uh, would the Lord's Prayer be treated or considered as a not extemporaneous prayer? As a not... It's it's the textbook definition of a prayer that gets prayed over and over and over again. That's right. I mean, it's um, so much so that people don't even have to have it written on paper most right. of the time. So one, I, I'd be hesitant to knock things simply because they're written. Because, you know, we're okay. Let's not pray Jesus' prayer because it's not as cool as what would come randomly from my heart. No, no, that that that's not necessarily a good line of argumentation, just, mm-hmm. just to start off. Okay. Two, note that Jesus says that he's teaching us how to pray. So, I mean, again, there is to be an example that this is to be a pattern that 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 yeah, we can we don't have to just pray the written prayers, we can go off it, but we are taught how to pray. Mm-hmm. But the the so this is one. Which is better, an excorded prayer or a written prayer? Well, no, both are fine. Pray them well. So don't try and pit one against the other. That that that's ugh, that's that's that gets to be the way of self-justification. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yes, I know that was a nice prayer, but it was written down. I can't made up with mine. The other thing that <laughs> is is that this forgets two things. That this is kind of a topic I can rant on. Ah, okay. <laughs> so first, ex corde. Uh, from the heart. Hey, Thomas, what does Jesus tell us comes from our heart? Um, I guess vileness, mostly. <laughs> it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles man, but what comes out of the mouth. For yeah. the man, the heart of man is full. So, so think about this. You're saying that the prayer doesn't work unless it comes from my heart, which God says is full of wickedness and evil. Sounds legit. Oh, no, no, no. Now, this does not mean that, oh, you only do made-up prayers and stuff. No, because really, when we are praying, it's not what is coming out of my heart. If I do a spontaneous prayer, where does that come from? From where does that arise? Your faith, maybe? I'd even go further than my faith. It comes from the the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Do you not? I mean, the the Holy Spirit dwells within us, interceding mm-hmm. constantly with groans too groanings too deep for words. the The point of prayer is that it's not a creative endeavor on my part, letting God know what God needs to know, but rather, prayer is the response of faith generated and brought forth by the Holy Spirit. O oh Lord, open my lips, and then my mouth will declare Your praise. Mm-hmm. You know, declaring praise is one of the things that prayer does. So, so yeah, whether or not we are reading the prayer and praying as others before us in the faith have prayed, or whether or not something new is arising from within us, brought about by the the, the Spirit, either way, it's good. But the focus shouldn't be, oh, I, my prayer is better because it comes from me. No, no, the prayer is good because it is brought about by the Spirit. 
and it's something that we learn. Um, what we hear from the word, we pray forth back to God. We often think of prayer primarily as trying to tell God what we want. No, really, prayer is repeating back to God his promises. Why do I pray for daily bread? Because God has promised me daily bread. Mm -hmm. Why do I pray for God to take care of those I love? Because he's promised to take care of those I love. Why do I pray for forgiveness? Because God has told me he will give me forgiveness. Prayer is really a focusing of us upon God's word. It's a distillation of God's word by the Holy Spirit in us, where we speak back to God the, his own word. We breathe in the word, we breathe out the word in prayer. And if we're not based upon the word of God, and if it comes from my heart, apart from the word of God, what's it going to be? Nasty. Oh, Lord, <laughs> let me find three uh, triplet blondes of dubious moral character while my <laughs> wife is gone. No, that would not be a good prayer. That right. is that is out of bounds. That That is over the line, right? Because that is not promised to me in the word of God. That is... <laughs> but it's from my heart. Well, okay, <laughs> that doesn't make it good. All uh, right, so does that. So, so okay. If you like to pray extemporaneously, that's fine. Go for it. Knock yourself out. But don't look down upon those who use written prayers. And likewise, if you like to use written prayers, if people like to pray off the cuff, let them pray off the cuff. Now, if you're doing something in public, generally be prepared so that you don't um and ah. I mean, we're... Eh, okay, but other than that, does that kind of work and move around there? That was kind of all over the place. No, it I, actually, I felt like it was pretty straightforwardly answered. So good job, I like it. <laughs> I, I felt that was kind of the the all over the place life rather than the the strict backwards life. But would hey, it be weird worked. if I said that's more that's more systematic than you normally are? <laughs> I do it's, not even judge myself. Yeah, well, it's kind of. <laughs> sermons right I've, I've we've had this conversation where the sermons you think you just phoned it in you're the ones people like and vice versa well and this is again because because it's not our action it's the acting of the holy spirit both in the speaker and in the hearer mm -hmm. we if we understood how much god was at work doing stuff and it wasn't about us but rather it was about what god is doing one, we'd be a lot more rejoy a lot more joyful. Because mm -hmm. we we'd see God's power at work all the time and not just in like, ooh, signs. I need to see I need to see someone rise up and walk who hasn't been able to walk from birth. Otherwise, I don't no, no, no. You see the power of God at work all the time, even in the normal things. And I think we'd just be a lot happier and joyful. Imagine that. Joy, a fruit of the spirit. Ah, ah. Okay, there we go. All right. Well. Let's jump back to Acts. We okay. are going to pick up again at Acts verse uh, chapter 14, verse 13, and things are going to go sideways here. All right. So, And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowns. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Man, hang on, hang, hang on, hang on. Sure, but before you before you get to their preaching, okay. So basically, the crowd thinks that it's Jupiter and Hermes, and the priest of Zeus comes out ready to sacrifice to them. Mm -hmm. Now, Thomas, imagine you are a good little Jewish boy, yes, like Barnabas or Paul. Do you see? Do you, this, this is comical. Oh yeah. I mean, this this would almost be. 
it, it's serious, but it would almost be funny to watch how badly this would freak them out. Oh, yeah. If you could I mean, get a, a screen cap, so to speak, of the, the faces of these guys, that'd the, make a great the, meme, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. The two of them, <laughs> like, as it dawns on them what the crowd is doing, just yeah. the, 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 the wide-eyed, jaw-dropping looks of horror, it'd be, it'd be fantastic. Absolutely. All right. So carry on. Now, now let's hear what they preach. Okay. Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. I love that they scarcely restrained. Okay, okay, guys, no, no, no. We're we're here to tell you how the real God works. This is a message. We're 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 talking about the living God. You're gonna you're you're gonna get stuff. Don't no 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 no. You you really don't need to sacrifice because he's sacrificed himself for your to. Uh, okay, just just stop. He's done great. He hasn't abandoned you before. He's <laughs> done all this great. Just just be quiet and let. Wait, are you sure we don't need to sacrifice to you? I love that. They <laughs> scarcely restrict. No, no, no. We're we're pretty sure you're yeah, yeah, you're pulling our legs for sure. So no, we're torch, gonna we're gonna put down the knife, let the cow go. It's almost like the Ewok scene from Return of the Jedi yes. where they're Yes, yes, no, yes. But but these are my friends. Okay, well, <laughs> eat your friends. That that's that no, stop. <laughs> it, it, it's comical. And and so there, there you go. Um, now, this is at Lystra. Now, I, I'm going to bring up something before we go on. We do see here a, a reminder, a picture that, that man likes to choose his own religion. Yeah. We, we like to do our own thing. And, and, and we like to be the ones where we can be the appeasers of the God. All right? All right? We will appease God by what we do, and then he will give us stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And woe be to anyone who breaks up that pattern. Mm-hmm. Let's go on. All right. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derb. All right. So Paul gets stoned half to death. They think he is dead. Um. Why do you think the the Jewish people were so able to uh, to turn these turn the crowds that were willing to sacrifice to to uh, Paul and Barnabas as Zeus and Hermes? Why were they so able to turn get them so quickly to turn and stone Paul? Well, I I don't know where you're going, but do you suppose they appealed to their paganism? Like, oh, these are you know false. These are you know agents of I don't know Hades or something or what? No. A lot of it is probably just they were looking for pagan gods, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why they were excited. And then Paul's already putting a wet blanket on that. No, no, we're not the pagan gods. Right. Well, no, these guys are just hucksters. What are you doing? Why were you even listening? Uh, what? They were trying to trick us. I was going to sacrifice a bull to them. Take a rock. <laughs> so, I mean, it, <laughs> right. it's they're, – they're already – fundamentally disappointed because they had wanted their pagan ideals reaffirmed and they're not reaffirmed. And now it's just, uh, oh, we have to be restrained from doing what we want. Well, 
we we want to see a show, either a a lively sacrifice or a lively stoning. Either way, you know, let's get some bloodshed. Sure. And and so you just push that that wave of disappointment. It, it we see it today with celebrity. How quickly does the popular celebrity suddenly become the most despised celebrity? Yeah, can change on the drop of a hat. Same thing now as it did back then. And we can go to a break in the drop of a hat. And when we get back, we'll continue on with more from the Book of Acts. And we're back on the Gospel Boldly podcast. And Paul has just been stoned, dragged out of the city dead. And, oh, I'm not dead yet. So we'll, we'll carry on and see what Paul does, even having been stoned half to death. Okay. I got better. <clears throat> when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed." So what they do is they basically end up making the rounds, not staying in any one place too long because the crowds will get riled up against them by the opponents. And they, they keep doing their journeys, and then finally they realize it's about time to head on back. And so what do they do? This is neat. In 23, they appointed what? Elders. Presbyters. They set up pastors. They basically said, all right, uh, Bob, <laughs> we're, we're going to be heading back to Antioch. So we're... Uh, Big Antioch, not, not, not little Antioch where you're at now. And uh, so we're not mm. going to be here to handle the preaching and leading of worship. So guess whose job it is now? There you go. It's your job, Bob. You got the reins. All right? You got this. <laughs> and off they go. Mm-hmm. But already you see the order. They are establishing churches and then seeing that the churches have pastors, that there, that there is someone to preach the word to those who would be hearing the word there. There is order to make sure that there's someone who would be administering the supper to those who would mm-hmm. be receiving the supper. Hey, uh, Thomas, do we still have that same pattern going today? Yeah, we sure do. Um, people go through seminary and end up with divine calls to various congregations, and they're installed and put in place to lead that flock. You already have, even already early on, a, a focus on the 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 corporate preaching and uh, administration of the sacraments. A lot of times, sometimes we'll talk about the house church and we're all like, oh yeah, everyone just had church in their house. No, no. When we say a house church in the, the New Testament or the early church in Acts, that meant some person would host the entire congregation at their house. It wasn't just everyone did stuff at their own houses. So yeah. All right, wherever the church is meeting in, in Lystra, okay, this fellow is going to be the, the elder who runs that, and so on and so forth. All right? Question. <clears throat> All right. Is this an indication? Because I don't get the feeling or the, the sense from the text that they spent years and years, right? Like a seminary education mm-hmm. is four years post-undergrad. Right. I don't get the sense that they spent that kind of time here. So. Is this a, is this any kind of indication that maybe these individuals, you know, obviously being God fearers beforehand for the most part, as we've seen so far, were already involved with the Jewish religion of the time? Is this an indication that the the worship of Christ was such a natural outgrowing of the Jewish religion of the time, when properly understood and taught from the the Old Testament scriptures, 
that you really didn't need all that because you've, I mean, you've got it already. These are high people in the community who already have the Jewish faith well in hand type of deal. I think this is a safe or a, a, a likely assumption to make. Okay. Um, with that, remember one of the things that Paul talks to Timothy about for the qualification for setting up bishops mm-hmm. and elders is that don't let them be a recent convert right. unless they get puffed up. So some of that is probably related to the fact that you do have, in all these places, they start off in the synagogue. They start off with the Jewish people and spread out to the, the Gentile community. Right. So you're probably getting people who are well-versed in the scriptures and who know the scriptures already to be elders. Now, could they have picked out a a, a Gentile convert? Well, possibly. Mm. Sure. But there would have been something where it's like, okay, you have the, the 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 chops to handle this. We think you will do a good job, and do 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 do. Right. Um, so, but we we don't get the detail on who they they set up, but rather you have an establishment of order. This is one of the things that is a very Old Testament theme, and it's something that sometimes we we neglect today in the West that God is a God of order. Mm-hmm. Um, you can think of Genesis one almost as a a hymn, an ode to order. Because it's just God imposing order upon creation. All right, I'm going to separate day from night because I like it orderly. Okay, and even in the night, I'm going to separate the little lights that are going to be running the light, running the night because I like it orderly. All right, I'm going to put the land here. I'll put the water here instead of a mixed giant, messed up giant swamp because I like it orderly. I'm mm-hmm. going to have uh, the animals produce animals that are like them because I like it orderly. I'll have (laughs) apple trees produce apple trees and not just a bunch of different fruits because I like it orderly that, that there's, there's seder. And likewise, even when they're leaving, Paul and Barnabas are establishing order in God's church because orderly worship is our God's a God of order. He's not the chaos God. He's the God of order. So, all right, now you're set up to continue with the orderly worship of God where you receive, where you hear preaching, where you receive his gifts. Everything's in order, and then we can go back to Antioch. Very good. That makes sense? Totally. All right, carry Kay. on. Then they passed through uh, Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commanded uh, commended, rather, to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared that all God had done, oh, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So this is the end of the first missionary journey. And basically they head back to Antioch and they give a report and say, look, it's grown. People are, are faithful. And, and we're even getting inroads amongst the Gentiles. There are even Gentiles who are, are believing. So what you really have now as a result of this first missionary journey is the Gentile cat is out of the bag. Christianity is now no longer just a variety or flavor of Judaism. It, it is beyond Judaism, because now Gentiles are doing stuff too. Mm-hmm. And not just not just not just uh Hellenized Jews, not just folks with Greek names, but I mean full on, full bore Gentiles are now professing that Christ Jesus is their savior. What do you do now? Mm-hmm. 
this is going to cause some some conflict within the church, or at least some questioning. And that's where we get to at the beginning of Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council. Thomas, do you want to start? Yeah, let me hit 28 oh, real quick, where oh, it says... did I cut you off? Just a oh. little early. It, uh, they just make the note here. They remained no little time with the disciples. Okay, and in no little time... <laughs> basically, they go and they stay back for a while there in... in in Antioch. So it's not as though they get back and then suddenly like, oh, now we got to go to Jerusalem. No, there, there's some time for things to stew and build. There you All right. It. Now to, okay. uh, now to 15. <laughs> but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. All right. So this is the great first debate. Hey, wait a second. These guys aren't snipped. What, what's going on here? Because, <laughs> again, that, that was part of the Jewish identity. You were to be circumcised. And, and this is the, the faith. And, and, hey, why aren't these guys circumcised? You're, you're, you're letting the circumcised and the uncircumcised gather together. What? This is just wrong, Paul. They need to get snipped if they're going to be a part of our faith. Mm-hmm. Right, right? Do you see how that's going? Absolutely. So, Paul and Barnabas argue against us. They clearly say, no, they, they don't need to. This is just silly. And so what happens? All right, let's head on down to Jerusalem and discuss it. Absolutely. Okay. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. All right, now now note this. What, what becomes the focus? Hey, look at what God has done, how many people confess Christ Jesus, have received his gifts as Savior. Well, but they really need to be doing some stuff to keep the law of Moses, to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. Necessary for what, Thomas? Well, one would assume for salvation. Right. Basically, okay, it's nice that they believe on Jesus, but the real hinge upon which salvation rests— <clears throat> It's whether you've been circumcised and whether or not you've kept the law of Moses. Yeah. Because it's nice that God became man, suffered and died on the cross, and rose again and promised eternal life. If you aren't circumcised and if you dine on swine, you're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, do, do you see what, what they're, they're putting their focus on, their priority on? Yeah, definitely. And so you've got the, the, you've got the two poles at the moment, the, the that, that doesn't matter at all and the, oh, that's everything. All right? Mm-hmm. So let's carry on and see how they they handle it. Okay. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up among them, uh, stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. 
Now, this is fascinating. Normally, we think of Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Peter says, wait, wait, remember, I, I've dealt with Gentiles before. I've preached to them before. And you know what was pointed out then? We weren't saved by the law. Mm-hmm. In fact, why are we trying to make them do things that we can't do and our fathers couldn't do? The point of the, the law of Moses is that we kept breaking it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, Remember that whole so, Babylon excursus? Yeah. So, yeah about so, 5, 000, so, 500 years ago. So why are we trying to make them go? Are we just hazing them? What What is this? <laughs> and, and so... So look, no, there, there's no distinction. Look, we 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 get that we have, are to be saved through the grace of the Lord. That's how we're saved. That's how we're, they're going to be saved. D- guys, come on. So basically, I almost get the idea of Peter standing, listening to the bait, and finally saying, "Haven't you guys seen what happened already?" You, yeah. You, don't. No, he won't say. Don't you remember chapter ten of Acts? But it's like you know. R- remember Cornelius? Hey, re- oh, all right. So let's carry on a little bit more. Okay. And to all the assembly fell silence, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, uh, and with this the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tents of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood." For from ancient generations, Moses has been in every city, those who proclaim him, uh, has had in every city, there we go, those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. All right, so James steps up after, after, and James is the main leader, and he basically says, well, we should probably come back to this decision at the beginning of the next episode. But he basically says, okay, we're not going to trouble them, but let's make sure that they, uh, don't don't eat food sacrificed to idols just because that's gonna freak folk out. Don't do sexual immorality, and avoid the strangled and the stuff with blood in this. And again, those are things that are just super offensive. So it's more okay. Yeah, you can still be Gentiles, but just don't do stuff that's gonna really freak out your Jewish friends. Okay, mm-hmm. can, can, can you do us a solid? All right. So we'll talk more about this next time because that's the 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 solution of the Jerusalem Council. This this kind of works, all right? Let's, no, we can't make rules to say you have to do this to be saved, but also don't do things that are just going to freak the tar out of your, your Jewish friends, <laughs> all right? And we'll talk about more about what this means next time on the Gospel Boldly Podcast. Let me have a sip of coffee.